Welcome to 15 Minutes to Wellness by the American Council on Exercise. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell, the ACE Senior Fitness Consultant for Behavioral Sciences and your host for this series. My goal today and for every podcast in our series is to discuss some small steps you can take to help you better your life and find happiness through optimal health. In each of these podcasts, I'll be interviewing a leading health and fitness expert, someone who's making a difference and who can make a difference in your life. I also want to welcome the hundreds of thousands of folks searching for positive ways to make fitness and nutrition a part of their daily, hectic, busy, tight, and budgeted lives. In our last episode, I asked Dr. Katz if he really believed he could teach, as he wrote in an article, food label literacy to children in 45 minutes. It's such an important ability. And if our ACE, American Council on Exercise, fitness trainers and health coaches can do this, just think about how much healthier our eating will be in the United States of America. So in this second part of the episode, we'll dial back in and hear what Dr. Katz has to say about how to teach food label literacy in 45 minutes. So many years ago, we developed a program for elementary school age kids called Nutrition Detectives. Uh, We implemented it, we studied it, we published the results, we found that it was highly effective at at cultivating food label literacy in eight-year-olds. And the beauty of the program was it, it took all of 90 minutes out of a school year And when we taught kids in school food label literacy, they taught their parents. So we actually studied changes in the food label literacy of parents we never talked to. And the parents of kids who got this program in school became more food label literate. The kids paid it forward. It was beautiful. And this is reaching tens of thousands of children all around the United States and abroad. We think it's reaching millions, actually, Michael. You know, what we did, and and I do this uh, using my 501c3, my nonprofit foundation, Turn the Tide, when we develop stuff that we, we find works well, we give it away for free, and we do everything we can to take away all barriers. And, and sometimes for people, just having to register is enough of a reason to move on. And we didn't want anyone who could benefit from this programming to, to miss out. But the problem is when you take away all of those barriers, you kind of lose track. But what we do know is that Nutrition Detectives is in schools throughout the U.S. and Canada, Spain, Puerto Rico, South Africa, the Philippines, India, Russia, and on it goes. So we think we're reaching millions. But in any event, th- this latest article, and, and so the program is a free DVD available in English and Spanish. People can get it from my website. And it takes 90 minutes to get through the whole DVD. We were working with a school district that said, well, we, we don't have 90 minutes, which you know I don't think is a very tall order. But they said, we've only got half that. So we worked with them to streamline the program even further and see if we could deliver the goods in just 45 minutes. And the answer was yes. So we just published that paper in the peer-reviewed journal Preventing Chronic Disease, and we were able to show we can improve the food label literacy of kids in just 45 minutes and and enable them to identify and choose more nutritious foods in every aisle of the supermarket. I would love our ACE, American Council on Exercise, health coaches and fitness trainers to learn how to do that and pass it along to their clients. We have to have a connection to that and make sure that our health and fitness professionals are passing that along. It's an amazing article, and I want everyone who's listening to read the article in the U.S. News and World Report. 
Now, you write for Huffington Post, and I, I also write for Huffington Post, but you put out something about a month ago on personal responsibility that I thought was amazing. You're, you are the renowned preventive medical specialist, and you, you drew an analogy that I thought was just brilliant. You said that obesity is like drowning. Can you talk about that article on personal responsibility in relationship to obesity? So I, I think we're drowning in calories. And, and I started talking about o- obesity as, as being kind of like drowning many years ago when I said, you know, the problem's like a flood and the solution's like a levee. But I, I began talking more about that, Michael, recently. Uh, just last year, the American Medical Association proclaimed that obesity is a disease now. And, you know, the, the rationale for that is to sort of make it medically legitimate and, and get doctors more involved. And my feeling was there's a problem with that because if it's a disease, we're going to be thinking we need more drugs, we need more surgery, we need to approach this clinically. And I don't think it needs to be a disease to be medically legitimate. Drowning is medically legitimate. And the thing about drowning is we know it can happen to even healthy bodies. A healthy body simply isn't adapted to stay underwater too long. And if it does, you drown. And if you drown and come to the emergency room, you get resuscitated and the bills get paid. It's medically legitimate. And the other important thing about drowning, since the problem isn't the body behaving badly, the problem is the environment, the, thing, you know, the, the body of water you fall into, what we focus on is the environment and we focus on prevention. So we put lifeguards at the beach and we put fences around pools and we teach people how to swim. My argument is that obesity is exactly like drowning. The human body is not adapted to a world of highly processed, hyper-palatable, glow-in-the-dark foods. They've never existed except for now. We're not adapted to a world where technology does absolutely everything muscles used to do. And we have no native defenses against that. And if you put the average person with average personal responsibility in a world awash in irresistible calories and labor-saving technology, that person gets fat. I mean, that's why... 80% of adults in this country are either overweight or obese. You know, it's not the rare person who succumbs to this. It's the average normal person. We have no evidence that levels of personal responsibility have declined. We have no study showing that today's seven-year-old is less personally responsible than yesterday's seven-year-old, but today's seven-year-old is more prone to obesity. So my argument is the problem isn't within us. It's all around us. And yes, there's a role for personal responsibility, just like there's a role for learning how to swim and teaching your kids how to swim. But the primary problem is all around us, and we need to be thinking of it that way and defending ourselves against it in just the way we defend against drowning. So, you know, the equivalent of lifeguards and fences and environmental solutions. So nutritious food should be available. There should be warnings about food that isn't nutritious. We cannot market junk food to kids. It would be like encouraging people to go swim in the riptides. Hey, try this out, kid. It'll be fun. Well, you know, we're actually tempting people to drown when we do that. It's got to stop. So, you know, yes, there's a role for personal responsibility. But, you know, interestingly, in the Spider-Man movies, we got the, the wonderful adage, with great power comes great responsibility. If we build on that, what we ought to acknowledge is, okay, it works the other way, too. If we're going to ask people to take responsibility, we have to make sure they are empowered. And, and that requires an effort by the body politics so that we can all take better care of our individual bodies. Right. You, you've said that the, I think you put it very, very, very well. You said that the choices that we make are based on the choices that we have. And in a sense, we don't blame someone for drowning, but we have this um, negative view of people who indeed are overweight or obese. And somewhere along the line, we have to make that change. And I think that, again, your article in the Huffington Post is something that's well worth 
health professionals, our fitness professionals, to, and the lay public to read, to understand where this role of personal responsibility and blame really lies. Thank you. I want to ask you, I want to ask you another question. We are drowning also in what you call stupid headlines. There is so many myths going around. Obesity is on the increase. Obesity is on the decline. Salt is good. Salt is not good. What can we do to be a more discerning public when it comes to these hyped up, oftentimes politically based and certainly financially based health headlines, health by headlines, I call it. Right, right. You know, there are many potential answers to that question, and and this is a topic that that has preoccupied me for a long time, and I've written about it quite a bit, and, and, you know, it's a huge problem, and frankly, we've met the enemy, and it is us, Michael, because, you know, to some extent, it's our constant fascination with, you know, the news du jour, and our willingness to believe that the best diet for health this week is different from the best diet for health last week, Um, and our, our ability, this seemingly endless ability to embrace today's headlines with complete inattention to what yesterday's headline said. You know, we just forgot about those already. It's yesterday's news. So we're part of the problem. Um, money is a big part of the problem. Obviously, you know, the, the, the industry that sells us fads profits enormously from our gullibility. The, the media are in the business of attracting our eyeballs to their pages and their screens, and one of the best ways to do that is to have something new and titillating uh, every day. So, you know, it's, it's sort of this unholy alliance between their profits and our gullibility. And what I would suggest is we can fix it by addressing our gullibility. And, and the example I, I routinely use there is comparing health to wealth. So, you know, in, in the modern era, um, you know, your average person with average common sense knows that get-rich-quick schemes are silly. That You know, they're for the most part a boondoggle. It's somebody trying not to help you make money but to take your money. And we laugh at that sort of thing on a sitcom. I, I, I refer to the honeymooners, you know, Ralph Cramden, who kept driving his bus and trying out these get-rich-quick schemes. They never worked. He always remained a bus driver. Um, and we <laughs> laugh at him because we know he was a sucker and a doofus. He was lovable, but, you know, he was a bit of a doofus. Well, the odd thing to me is people who laugh at Ralph Cramden do the exact same thing when it comes to their weight and their health. So we know that get-rich-quick is silly, but we we line up again and again and again and again for get healthy quick or lose weight quick. Well, that's got to stop. All we really need to do is think of health the way we think of wealth, something that you want advice from real experts. You don't want to change what you do or what you think every week. You want advice that stands the test of time. You want the common, sensible, tried and true approach. You want to invest in it, nurture it, cultivate it. You have to work to earn it and and take care of it. It's something you want your kids to aspire to. It's something you want to bequeath to the people you love. I mean, if we treated health that way, this nonsense would go away. You know, it's not as if people are constantly reinvesting their 401k every week. You know, this week do this, this week do that, cash it out, do this. You know, you you put your money in in a sensible place, in a sensible way, based on sensible advice, and and you leave it alone. That's what most people do. So I think we need a, a, a cultural reorientation. We have to stop thinking that there's some magical quick fix solution. As long as we're receptive to that, there are going to be people who are going to profit at our expense. Well, I'm wondering where the fitness professional and the health coach comes in to helping people become more discerning in some of these headlines. Uh, It's become so, we're inundated with these, uh, one day it's this and the next day it's that. 
our physicians are, are trying to help. They're, they're more treatment. I, I describe them as the ambulance on the bottom of the hill. The fitness professional, the health coaches, uh, or the fences on the top of the hill. What role do you see fitness professionals playing in helping the public be more discerning and more responsible users of this information? Well, for one thing, of course, if we look at the three key influences on health in, in the modern world, they are what we do with our feet, our forks and our fingers. And, and so feet is physical activity or fitness. Forks is dietary pattern and fingers is not holding cigarettes. So, you know, they're right there already in, in the first of those three. Being routinely physical active all by itself, regardless of what people eat or do with headlines, is hugely important. And, and that coaching is enormously valuable. But then, you know, the, the next step would be I would encourage this group to embrace the solid fundamentals of healthy nutrition rather than indulge in, in picking some favorite, you know, specific diet or, or some particular theory that they happen to like. I had a paper just come out in Annual Review in Public Health. It was a commissioned uh, review of the literature and the paper is entitled, Can We Say What Diet is Best for Health? And my job was to review the literature without bias and, and reach a conclusion. And my conclusion was the basic theme of eating for optimal health is very well established. It's real food, mostly plants. But which variant on that theme, you know, vegan or vegetarian, Asian or Mediterranean, paleo, which of those is best if you do it well? Well, that's not clear. We don't have the science to say, and I think that's a good thing because what it means is here's the theme. You can pick the variant on that theme that you, you and your family like best. What I would ask the, 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 the fitness fold to help us do is propagate the message about the theme because what, what tends to happen otherwise is people devolve into these competing factions. So, you know, there, there's the uh, China study faction, which is adamant that, you know, that's the best approach. And now there's the grain brain faction, mm -hmm, which says, right. no, meat isn't the problem. Grains are the problem. And, you know, we spend so much time warring with one another um, that we actually never acknowledge what we agree on and devote the resources we need to getting there from here. This is a group, Michael, that I think could exert a huge influence and say, you know, we're, our primary focus is on fitness, but food is the fuel that powers the human machine. Food is the fuel that makes fitness possible. And there is really good evidence about the basic theme of optimal eating. And we're going to defend that and tell people about it and encourage that. And we're not going to get involved in the ideology of which theory we like best, you know, that, that goes beyond that theme. You can decide which variant on the theme you like best works best for you, but stick with the theme. The theme is the reliable part of what we really know about the basic care and feeding of homo sapiens. That paper was a great paper. I read it and I really enjoyed the uh, chart where you d described the different kinds of variations of that. But the, the point was clear that um, whole food, plant-based largely seems to be the overriding theme. And I think you're correct. We, we all know that you can't out-exercise a bad diet, as they say. Dr. Katz, David Katz, you are um, a hero to me, and I'm just um, I'm beaming <laughs> at the opportunity to spend 15, 20 minutes chatting with you. I could talk and learn from you all day long. I know our listeners' lives have been uh, improved and enhanced, and I'm certain that in some way you've touched so many people. Uh, they will think about transforming and expanding their health as a result of what they've heard you say today. So I want to thank you very, very much, and I hope we can count on you coming back again. Well, I appreciate those very kind words, Michael, and, and this opportunity to reach your audience. So my thanks to you, and I'd be delighted to come back. Thank you very much, Dr. Katz. 
I'd like to thank all of you listeners who've joined us today. And as always, I encourage you all to subscribe to the podcast and continue your journey to health and fitness by visiting acefit.com, where you'll find everything you need to live your most fit and healthy life. You can explore literally thousands of healthy recipes, health and fitness videos and articles, workout plans, health programs, and creative ways you can get yourself and your family moving, and really expert insight on a wide range of topics. So join me next time on 15 Minutes to Wellness, which you can find at acefit.com slash fitcasts. I'm Dr. Michael Mantell, thanking you for being with us on 15 Minutes to Wellness. Wellness.